Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is May 27th, 2022, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. It's graduation for many of the kids and folks out there that uh, are graduating or graduating to the next level in some cases, so congratulations to all you out there. Uh, I'm joined today by our commodity specialist, Eric Thornton. Hello, Eric. How are you? Hey, Mike. I'm doing well. Hello, podcasters. It's a it's a, a fun time of the year with kids get out of school and graduations and uh, you know Eric I think that uh, you know of some folks that have uh, graduated here recently definitely yeah for sure I know even in our own office uh, Craig Ruffalo and his daughter there is making the move from middle school to high school so that's yeah. a big step and uh, even in my life, my wife, uh, Sarah, she just recently graduated, uh, got her master's in nursing. So, wow. Uh, definitely a fun time of year, changeable, exciting. And I'm, I think there's a couple others maybe I'm forgetting too in the office. that. Yeah. Uh, our director of marketing, uh, Pete Church, he has some kids moving on yeah, up. Uh, yeah. So congratulations to them as well. And uh, so today, Eric, uh, oh, wait a minute before we get started there. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. There you go. Um, go Dubs, uh, making it to the finals. They're going to either play Boston or Miami, but it's it's looking like Boston. So we'll see how that happens uh, or with if that happens. And uh, I'll just say one other thing, Eric, real quick, is that Dub fans, I know you don't like Charles Barkley, but don't throw stuff at him. Right. Yeah. I mean, not cool. He's entitled right? to his opinion, right? I get it. But uh, that's just throw exactly stuff right. at him. Come on now. I know. I don't know if folks saw that the uh, after the inside NBA program, they started throwing stuff. Shaq was like having fun. And then all of a sudden the fans are like throwing T-shirts and drinks at uh, Charles mm. Barkley. So anyway, let's keep it. Keep it uh, cool and keep it uh, fun and respectful. Go Dubs. Uh, and speaking of uh, cool things to talk about and uh, awesome fundamental things that are happening, let's talk about wheat today. What do you say? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, definitely exciting times. A lot to talk about with wheat. Um, figured we'd kind of parcel it out today with going over the U.S. balance sheet first and then looking a little bit more into the uh, global expectations, my thoughts there and what I'm seeing and then wrap up with more of the premium content on you know price expectations as well as uh, overall strategy and in my opinion there. So first looking at the US here, I guess I'd parcel it out in two different ways for, for production. We're kind of getting a double whammy of bad news. And first with the Southern Plains and the hard red winter wheat crop of which we know has been really, really struggling uh, with drought and dry conditions ever since that crop was planted last fall. And, uh, you know, we've seen some of the worst conditions there in the last 20 years. Uh, we have, are now starting to get some boots on the ground, at least in that area, to get some real yield estimates. Uh, the Kansas Wheat Quality Tour uh, commenced and finished up last week, and it's essentially a three-day Crop tour starting in the eastern portion of Kansas, making its way westward, and as it would you would expect, um, you know, not seeing great numbers. Uh, the three-day total 
yield average in the state of Kansas was 39.7 bushels per acre. That is well below where we were a year ago in that state up in the uh, upper 50s uh, bushels per acre. So that's a 30, 35% decrease, at least from uh, this particular crop tour and what they're seeing. And we also know that crops to the south of Kansas, down in Oklahoma and Texas, are are likely even worse off, Mm. just considering the uh, extreme drought and the poor to very poor conditions are as high uh, as they've seen since 1998 down there. So not the best news so far. You know, the USDA, I think, has has taken some of this into account already when they released their first glance at the 22-23 balance sheet on the May-WASDE report. So they are forecasting currently a 46.6 bushels per acre for yield. Uh, Again, kind of factoring in some of those difficult and challenging conditions in that Southern Plains with that hard red winter wheat crop, which again makes up about 50% of the total wheat balance sheet. So it does matter and, um, you know, really can can move that total wheat yield up or down significantly. And that uh, 46.6, I do foresee that uh, likely falling further, unfortunately, mm. um, for the balance of these next few months. Uh, the only thing that may keep it there or potentially allow it to grow a little bit firmer or upwards is, you know, if we can somehow eke, eke out a really good uh, spring wheat crop. And I said double whammy because we can't uh, get that crop plant, planted on time. I, I know we've talked and people have probably seen that we're, we were well behind on planting pace mm-hmm. in the northern plains, um, particularly North Dakota when it comes to spring wheat. We're only 49% planted to date as of Monday's crop progress report, but this time a year ago, we were already 93% planted. So a solid two and a half, three weeks behind. And when wheat plantings, there there was a window of opportunity this week before more rainfalls forecasted this weekend to make some good headway there. Because ultimately, I do feel that this rainfall they're getting now will actually be beneficial in the longer run since we know that that, that uh, region dealt with extreme drought a year ago and just decimated mm-hmm. the the spring wheat crops up in that region. So it kind of reversed this year where now the drought and the, the lower crop production is going to be down in the southern plains. And, you know, fingers crossed we're not there yet, but hopefully we can make out at least an average, uh, hopefully above average spring wheat crop in the northern plains. Remains to be seen, but um, overall, I do feel that that yield will come down further. We're already expecting a lower area harvested, just again with the difficult fall and winter and spring months. So a lot of abandonment and um, unharvested fields likely. So, you know, USDA is currently, currently saying 37.1 million acres harvested, pretty much on par with last year, despite the 600,000 acre increase year over year. We're just not going to be able to harvest everything additional that was planted, unfortunately. So the production estimates, in my view, I think are going to struggle to be above 1.7 billion bushels, probably something closer to the what we saw a year ago at 1.65 billion bushels or maybe even lower. So that'll be certainly keeping the market's attention here um, the next two to three months predominantly. But you know, if you look at the the demand side in the U.S. exports still a big question mark. Uh, current estimate is 775 million bushels. This week alone, we actually saw net cancellation 
of sales and you know not uh, ideal when trying to meet the weekly targets uh, to hit that 775 and I, I think you know the wild card there remains in Ukraine whether we can see them export you know grains to any sort of significance this year remains to be seen how much participation the US will have with Ukraine being limited or offline you know, if that does pan out where they are not, you know, exporting in, in a typical fashion, which it seems that that is likely, at least for some period of time, the uh, the U.S. may pick up on some sales. Uh, I will say, though, they are definitely um, unfavorable in the global market. And when you start to factor in freight costs from the U.S. to the major importing regions in the Middle East, Northern African countries, as well as Southeast Asia, we see that the uh, the total cost is not uh, competitive. So mm-hmm. the U.S. may likely be a last resort okay. for a lot of those countries. Thus, I think that 775 export figure maybe even comes down further as we start to play out uh, the balance sheet for 22-23. So you kind of factor in demand staying relatively stable, maybe coming off even a bit. Um, you know, I think the feed demand is fair at 80 million bushels at this point. So you know, USDA has it at 619 million bushels in ending stocks. I think that comes under 600 million and probably, you know, ends up, you know, in the low 500 to 550 million bushel range uh, by the time we're into the the fall or into the spring next year. So, you know, not uh, a year of replenishing stocks and not a year of an improved balance sheet, at least in the U.S. So I'll, I'll transition now more to the global outlook and, you know, focusing really on some of the key producers, key exporters, you know, the U.S. is arguably the the worst off in terms of um, uh, current conditions and expectations for their crop. But if we look at our neighbors to the north in Canada, the good is that we are getting a 6% increase to acreage in Canada. But the, the concerning part for them too, uh, similar as we're not able to get the crop planted just due to uh, the wet weather and cool conditions that they've been experiencing so far this spring. The uh, window does look to open up for them a bit as well, and hopefully this moisture, again, will prove to be beneficial in the long run if they can get the crops planted on time or at least caught up. So, you know, year-over-year production should see some increases, which will help um, a more normal year for Canada is somewhere in the low 30 million metric ton range. That's what the USGA has currently as a standing placeholder at 33 million metric tons, well above last year at just 21 0.6 million metric tons. We'll also look to see some rebound from the EU, uh, currently at 136.5 million metric tons collectively. That uh, that likely comes up in my estimation. We had some very good conditions, uh, some of the best we've seen in about six or seven years for uh, areas in France and Germany throughout the winter the winter months. Uh, they did have a little bit of a run in with a, a mild heat wave and and a longer period of dryness over the last two weeks, but I think they've gotten through that relatively unscathed, and we could see that crop or, or their crop production come up higher from there, maybe pushing to you know 140, just above 140 million metric tons. That's good because um, another important country, especially as of recent, that. Uh, is noteworthy is India. Mm-hmm. And we were counting on India at least to step up and be a larger player 
of exports to the global market with Ukraine being limited or offline. So they were just a month ago looking at another record crop, six consecutive bumper crop year, maybe as high as 115 million metric tons, which would be 5 million metric tons above a year ago. But um, in late April and early May, they had a very intense heat wave lasting a full two weeks that unfortunately came at the worst possible time when the uh, the wheat heads were starting to mature and, and go through their kernel development. So the, the unfortunate uh, timing there, like I said, but the estimates there likely fall lower. You know, I think that crop's destined to pro- or struggled probably to hit uh, 100, 105 million metric tons. And I've seen some estimates even as low or sub 100 million metric tons and struggling to hit that. So that would be, you know, a 13 to 15% blow there, which basically takes them out of the global uh, export market. So again, mm. a month ago, they were going to potentially be a savior and uh, pick up a lot of that export demand. Now they may not even be able to export uh, much of any. Um, so that's a little bit uh, of a blow and a obviously bullish uh, factor at play. Um, then I'll kind of comment quickly on Australia, looking really good there. They'll probably have another uh, year above 30 million metric tons. La Nina typically favors them and provides plentiful rainfall. That's exactly what they've been getting for the last two years that looks to continue. Then lastly, I will comment on Russia and Ukraine. You know, Ukraine already seeing the USDA is really ratcheting down their production estimates down to 21 and a half million metric tons below a year ago at 33 million metric tons. I think that's a fair starting point. Um, you know, the, the news is that they're still able to get the majority of their crops planted, but the, the certain resource availability, particularly fuel and fertilizer is, is going to be problematic. And then the second part of that is, you know, how will they get these grains to the market still remains questionable, but Russia is actually looking like a pretty good, uh, opportunity to see an increase as well. Over a year ago, we had 75 million metric tons in production there. USDA is 5 million metric tons higher at 80, but the many estimates um, I've been able to triangulate and my thoughts there is that that crop looks to be much higher than 80, maybe even mid to upper 80 million metric ton range um, based off of an increase in acres. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see though, and obviously taking everything with a grain of salt that comes from Russia these days, but looks to be so far that they'll see a rebound and have quite a surplus, at least for that that export market. And, you know, they'll, they'll still continue to get sales, but we'll see the, uh, if there's reluctance from typical wheat buyers to go and purchase Russian wheat. And, you know, arguably that's a strategy that's being employed today from Putin and Russia is to kind of control a lot of the wheat reserves in the, in the globe for, um, you know, negotiations and to kind of make the ability for them to, to get more grains out. So wrapping it all up, I guess, from the global sheet as well, you know, 267 million metric tons in ending stocks is what USDA is currently saying, you know, below last year of 279. And again, I think if we see some production increases to the EU, to Russia, like mentioned, that'll probably offset some reductions from India and maybe even further from the US. So I think that's a fair starting point. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, again, we will not see a rebound in stocks and we'll see a further tightening there. So, you know, fundamentally, you know, not uh, the best of news and, 
you know, definitely going to need to see another year or two of uh, adequate Northern Hemisphere supply in particular to really apply pressure on prices. So uh, with that, that's kind of the fundamental overview and Josh Allen. Josh Allen, you always have to bring that up. That was a great recap. I love Josh Allen. You know that. Uh, you being a Buffalo Bills fan, it's not just because it's the Buffalo Bills, but Josh Allen is one of the great quarterbacks in the NFL, don't you think? He's phenomenal. Our listeners, think. I agree. And I said Josh Allen because he grows. He uh, he he grew up in California, actually, not too far from you. Mike, I know. So I know. I should go have lunch with his family. Could celebrate his success. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to wrap this one up on that note uh, and uh, bid everybody adieu. And uh, I want everybody to have a great Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy your friends and family. Live with an attitude of gratitude. Don't take it for granted. Enjoy everything you do and just relax, right? Relax. <laughs> what do you think? Relax. That sounds great. <laughs> I like that. Do something fun. Do something fun this weekend. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit McKinney-Favell.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.